The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. We are strong advocates of maintaining integrity during the process. It's easy to get angry. It's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to lash out. It's easy to be vindictive. So we are encouraging all of our clients to take the high road. It generally works out much better in the end for us because of our reputations and the way we operate. From the law offices of Schwartz and Plant, it's the Basics of Divorce podcast with attorneys Nick Plant and Russell Schwartz. Hi, so this is David Yaz from the Boston Podcast Network here at the law offices in Worcester. Schwartz and Plant alongside me, as usual, Russell Schwartz and Nicholas Plant. Russ, you said you wanted a little bit of fanfare to open. Yeah. How's that? Is that okay for you? I feel like a rock star. That's exactly what I was asking for. Thank you. Okay. So this is the maiden voyage of this podcast, but I'm excited. Um, uh, Russ and I have been friends for a long time. Nick and I have been friends for a shorter amount of time. But uh, you guys are among the leaders in the divorce bar for sure in Worcester and elsewhere. Tell me uh, at first, you know, this podcast, it's a a three-series sort of compendium of, of podcasts, and you want people to get know a little bit about more about the process, right? That's right. We're, uh, we're hoping to reach out to folks to let them know what the process of the family law and divorce portion of our practice is about, uh, kind of educate them a little bit and make them a little bit more comfortable uh, with the process so that if they're con- contemplating a divorce or uh, some f- sort of family law issue, they can uh, at least get educated. Is this time of year particularly a time that people tend to think about it? Nick, you want to take that one? I I think that's certainly true. Um, We find in our practice that the new year is a reflection point for a lot of people. It's a time when people, I think, are making New Year's resolutions. And some people certainly do make New Year's resolutions to to uh, get divorced, but it's just a natural point of reflection for a lot it's an of people. Ambitious, it's an ambitious resolution, huh? It <laughs> is. <laughs> talk it about is, a, but yeah, change in life. You know, after holidays with the families, it's certainly a time to sit down and think about it, and I yeah. think a lot of people do, and we find that it's one of our busiest seasons throughout the year. So in this particular episode, we're going to talk about the basics of divorce, and Russ, I don't know if you want to kick this off. The process of divorce is, uh, when, I, when I talk about it with our clients, I talk about it in different pieces and different areas of complexity, but um, when we, we kind of talk about the beginning of it, we talk about kind of contemplating the process and, <clears throat> and options available to, to folks to, to pursue it. We are a family law litigation firm. We work uh, with folks who are either contemplating getting in front of a judge or have started the process themselves. And are getting in front of a judge, uh, so will act as their lawyers. There's there's other forms of um, resolutions uh, with the the process, but we're effectively um, litigators. So with that, we um, have our clients uh, get prepared. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have them prepare themselves before they come in to see us, and we talk about uh, different steps and what they need to do. Because I take it most people at that first step are just bewildered, and you want to you want to talk them through, but um, ultimately, like you say, you're litigators, so your your calling card is fighting for people in court. With it. But I think you go even, ahead, Nick. Even though that, even though I think you could say that we are absolutely are litigators, and it's one of our strongest areas of practice, it, it doesn't mean that we don't do other things. It doesn't mean that we don't uh, occasionally do mediations, and it doesn't mean uh, that underneath the umbrella of litigation, we're not actively settling uh, people's cases. Uh, some cases certainly are tried, and we try a number of cases every year. We even do appeals after trials. We've appeared before the appeals court. We've appeared before the Supreme Court of Massachusetts. So we certainly 
will take a case from start to finish in this firm, which distinguishes us amongst a number of other firms in the area who will only do certain portions of the litigation. We'll do it from start to, to end. But embedded in that, we are also regularly settling cases. We're participating in mediations. We're participating in arbitrations. We're participating in conciliations for those people who are interested in a non-judicial or non-courtroom-based resolution. So we do all of it. What percent of your the cases that you handle end up actually going to trial, would you say, if you had to venture, guys? I would say that our, our trial cases that ultimately end up in a contested trial at the end of a case would probably be around 20%, uh, which I think is a little bit higher than some of our competitors, but I think that's because we take stronger, more uh, aggressive approaches than some of our competitors do because we feel that we're capable of achieving those results. Now, of those 20% that actually go to trial, probably a smaller portion resolve themselves in the middle or at the end, just before the conclusion of the trial, probably of that 20%, maybe 5% of those cases may actually resolve either in the beginning, the middle, or the end of the trial. So t- tell us how that plays out, because I think a lot of people think um, we're, we, are, we are butting heads, myself and my soon-to-be ex-spouse, and there's, there's no end in sight. Uh, she's being unreasonable, he's being unreasonable. So tell us, uh, if you could, about those paths that, that lead to what I guess is a successful settlement, right? In order to uh, be ready to resolve a case, you need to have all the information, all the facts, and uh, that's kind of what leads us into being prepared for this, this, this process. When a client calls us, we often ask them to provide us with as much information as they can prior to coming in so they can be educated, they can educate us, and we can, even from the very first meeting, be able to give them a range of reason of uh, an anticipated result. Um, we ask them to bring tax returns, pay stubs, bank statements, documents showing values of assets. If they accumulate that, uh, it is effective in, the, in our first meeting. They don't have to have that. Uh, with all of this information comes a, a what I call a sketch, kind of a rough idea as to what we can uh, provide for our clients as time goes on. As the information becomes more prevalent and clear, uh, the picture gets clearer and the color gets more uh, identified. And I think it's interesting you use the term successful settlement. Um, And I think that's a a really interesting term because a successful settlement isn't going to be our client getting 100% of everything they want. Um, A a successful settlement is going to have a couple of components. It's going to have a a component of a client feeling like they've been heard and that their thoughts and their desires and their wishes have been taken into consideration. It's going to uh, include... Uh, a thorough and complete and honest disclosure by both parties so that the lawyers involved and the judge involved uh, know all the facts so that they can reach uh, a comprehensive settlement. It might include hearing from the children's, uh, I'm sorry, the party's children so that their feelings and wishes might be considered in the overall results. So it isn't a, a successful settlement's a great term. And uh, I think it has a lot more to do than just this is what we want. It's, it's about managing our clients' expectations, making them feel heard, making sure that we have what we need, and making sure that at the end of the day, the client is satisfied, feels successful in the resolution, and feels as though they were educated and led uh, down the process successfully. I, I take it that, yeah, there's a lot of education you need to do because the client might come in with a certain conception of who's who deserves what, and the as the education process goes along, I, I suppose you get to a point where they, they understand and can accept whatever you work out. And um, interestingly enough, not to interrupt, but interestingly yeah. enough, most of those uh, feelings about what people want are not necessarily based on legal factors, but are based on emotional factors. Sure. And so sometimes uh, an individual's emotion and the law in Massachusetts conflict. And so one of the uh, one of the most important things that we do in our initial meetings with our client 
uh, is to talk about the law of Massachusetts and, and what is really going to happen and what is, is not going to happen based on certain emotional factors. And, mm-hmm. and I think we just call that setting expectations. So we in the beginning, and, and Nick and I feel uh, very strong about just being straight uh, with our clients, setting realistic expectations. So we've talked about, uh, you know, when, when a client's coming in, we have them uh, provide us with documents. We uh, try to set their expectations to some extent, and then we talk about some of the uh, kind of extra um, uh, processes that they should follow in order to kind of get through this process. Mm-hmm. For, for example, um, oftentimes we will uh, talk to a client about um, are they in counseling, are they getting the right support they need to get them through this process, are they, believe it or not, exercising, are they keeping kind of a, a steady and calm mentality to get them through uh, what can be fairly stressful. So it, it, it sounds like it takes a, a team of which, so you, you can maybe not, not literally, but work alongside others that are going to help. And it's interesting to me that the client comes to you and you start to talk about what your job is, but then also they should reach out to some others that can help support them. Well, that's true. And in addition to sort of the health and wellness um, experts that Russell just mentioned that we encourage our clients to consult with, we also... Oftentimes, marriages have dynamics. It's not uncommon for one party to be the bill payer, the financial manager, and some other party in the marriage to to have other responsibilities. So we get a significant portion of our clients who have not had uh, a full and complete awareness maybe of the family's financial picture until they come to us. So we also reach out to accountants, financial planners, estate planning attorneys, things like that to help uh, a client who is going to be going through a divorce understand that they're now going to be responsible for managing their own life and that they're going to need professionals, both knowledge of what they have, knowledge of what they want, and how to achieve both of those two things. So we rely on those other professionals as well. Mm-hmm. And and within that, we help our clients manage their own kind of uh, integrity portion. I mean, this process causes folks to look at a lot of different angles uh, in their lives, um, we are uh, strong advocates of maintaining integrity during the process. Um, it's easy to get angry. It's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to lash out. It's easy to be vindictive. Uh, spouses often will find themselves uh, doing things they wouldn't ordinarily do to get back at, at the other one. So we are encouraging all of our clients to take the high road. It generally works out much better in the end for us uh, and because of our reputations and the way we operate. Now, that that comes up rather um, somewhat early in this podcast as one of your goals, integrity, and, and I think that's not necessarily intuitive to most people who go hire a lawyer and say this is going to be a dogfight. So I take it that's a conversation you have important to you, but, but also it sounds like important to you as a law firm, but also important for the very success of the, of the client, right? You know, we hold ourselves out as a professional, aggressive law firm that takes uh, this process very seriously. We uh, try to uh, be fair. We try to put our best foot forward. We have our clients put their best foot forward. When they don't, we advise them to it. We direct them to. Um, it's, it's, a com- it's, a compl- it's a complex process to start with. Uh, ultimately, we, Nick and I, have found that by just pushing forward, uh, being straight with our clients, being straight with the court, being straight with the other attorneys, um, the process moves quicker and uh, to a better resolution. I have their and bit- I think, Go ahead, Nick. I think people often believe that aggressive and mean are synonyms, and they're not. Mm-hmm. They're not the same thing. Uh, you can be very, very aggressive. You can be very strong, but you can do it in a dignified manner. You can maintain your integrity. You can be honest. You can be polite. And what I think we found is that when we are uh, polite and dignified, 
but strong and aggressive, when we're accurate and we're honest, and we're, we're better able to cut through the noise of the case and focus the judge's attention on the things that matter and will translate into real results for our clients. You know, you think of these, anyone that's sitting in a probate court courtroom sees these judges listen to horror show after horror show after horror show, lawyers yelling at each other, litigants yelling at each other. And so you figure when you, when you stand before that judge and you take a deep breath and you focus the judge's uh, uh, attention to clear, concise, straightforward, honest facts, you give the judge a strong, solid, reasonable legal argument, you're more often than not willing to getting or able to achieve getting the judge to follow along with you and reach your conclusion. And I think Nick's got a good point. Sometimes we use this word aggressive in the wrong way. I think maybe sometimes we should be using the word persistent because when we feel strongly... Or strong. Or strong. And when we use uh, our positions, um, we feel strongly about our position, we believe in the position, we move forward. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean aggressive. It just means that this is the, the, the position we're taking client feels strongly about it. We feel strongly about it. Uh, in one of our last podcasts, David, you and I talked about the range of reason. Maybe we'll talk mm -hmm. about that today at some point. Sure. And uh, as long as we feel that we're within that range of reason and moving forward, then our clients are at least satisfied that we're trying and that they're being heard. And we balance that, I think, by staying on the cutting edge of sort of legal knowledge. So, you know, we participate in continuing education. We teach continuing education classes. We participate in the judicial seminars. We participate in the bench bar meetings where lawyers meet with judges to talk about how we can improve the system. We receive the daily updates from the Supreme Court and from the appeals court with respect to our family law cases. The law changes on a daily basis. There's a significant change just a few weeks ago with a case about how we attribute income to somebody who's been out of the workforce for a period of time. So um, I think by uh, using Russell's word of persistent and strength, which is a good word, and then combining that with real legal knowledge, we really have been successful in getting the judges to follow along with our positions. It sounds like in being active in bar associations, both, you know, I take it statewide and, and local here in, in Worcester, um, it you can gain knowledge that isn't necessarily in the law books. For example, your the habits of a judge, the way a judge might go, and um, people may not know that it's good to know a lot about a judge, not not for any sort of favoritism, but just for y your strategy might develop a little differently. Is that true? It's very true. And, and, you know, the probate court doesn't have juries. So the judge assigned to your case that you start with is more often than not going to be the judge that hears the final case if needed and renders the final decision. So we all know certain judges that have certain proclivities. We know judges that uh, believe that everybody should be working in some capacity. We know judges who are uh, strongly in favor of almost equal access to children, uh, regardless of, uh, of, uh, of whether the law has a presumption or not. So to know a, a judge's particular proclivities within the, within the broad umbrella of the, of the domestic relation law in Massachusetts is super helpful to us in knowing which arguments are going to cut it and which arguments aren't. We, we're in court, uh, at least one of our attorneys in our firm is in court at least once, if not twice every day. So really? we, we have the opportunity to see uh, the same judges day in and day out. And uh, for lack of a better term, we get their track record. We know how they look at things. We know how they, how they anticipate and uh, react to things. So uh, kind of getting back to what happens when a client walks in the door and says, you know, this is kind of my expectation. Perhaps it was a case where we're, we're going to be modifying a judgment. And that and we know who the judge is before uh, we even step in front of the, 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 the court. So we can say to that client, uh, we're familiar with that judge. This is that judge's uh, MO or way that this judge looks at life. And it either falls in line with or is inconsistent with what you want. So 
they now are aware of where that range of reason falls for them. And there's a there's a uh, the other great part about that is that the judges know us. And so, um, you know, Russell started this firm. I became a partner two years ago. We have an associate now, but we sort of model it after the way Russell created the firm, which is uh, some of the practice methods that we've just talked about. But by consistently being prepared, by consistently being honest, by consistently being decent, by consistently being strong, the judges know us. We know the judges. And to some extent, they can rely on the fact that when we cite a case for a proposition, they know that that's what the case says. Hi, everybody. I'm Chamita Perel. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast? The Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you. Whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, or really any kind of professional, you should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head, literally. Pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships. Clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. Go to Pod617.com to start planning. And in the meantime, listen to the great shows they've already produced. The Irreverent Bitchless Bride Podcast. The hilarious show known as Shawshanked. And the wild trip through the paranormal that is Monsterland. Be part of the Pod Revolution. Visit pod617.com. In pod, we trust. I take another reason why your integrity is so important. If you're presenting yourself in a very professional manner and not flying off the handle, um, it serves you well the next time you're in front of that judge. If you, if, you, if you go to the wall in manic fashion, the next time you come in, the judge might not treat you as kindly. I guess. Well, the, the term can be called reputation. Yeah, it's that go, simple. Yeah, yeah. And, and individual litigants develop a reputation, too, because it's not uncommon for a, a particular family to appear in front of a probate court judge six or seven times in the process before the trial. And wow. if every appearance yeah. involves mom or dad not telling the truth, by the time that trial starts, the judge is going to have some notion as to what the problems are in the family, might even have some opinion on the particular litigants, and it it might really hamstring a case. So by going in there and by consistently being dignified and honest and forthright, but strong at the same time, the judge at least has a a reasonably decent impression of that party before the case even starts at the trial. I think it's a good point. By being strong, it, it also doesn't mean that we don't give our clients kind of the right to make input. We... Going back to kind of what happens when we first meet with our clients, mm-hmm. we tell them to take responsibility for the case. So we don't want them to be passive observers. We don't want to be telling them what they want. They tell us what they want, and then we fashion kind of our position based on their expectations. It's always better to have an active participant in our process than a passive a p- a participant. Mm-hmm. We don't want people crawling under the covers and just waiting for this to uh, unfold. Right. So, and that comes ahead, back okay. to the successful settlement. One of the successful, one of the elements of that successful settlement is that the client buys into the settlement, and that the client really feels a part of creating that settlement and is happy with that settlement. So it's it's one of the reasons why we include the client. We want the client to be an active participant. We want the client included on every decision, big and small, so that the client is aware, not surprised, uh, and is is not really just along for the ride, but is co-driving with us. We've got just a few minutes left in the podcast, but um, Russell, tell us. Can, can we wrap up by talking about the way, uh, some sort of big picture concepts of what people should know about divorce? The, the, the concept of the big picture is, is just that. I mean, there are so many different moving pieces to this process that um, our clients ha- are always made aware that uh, when they walk out of the process, they're not getting every single little item that they've asked for. 
Um, we've often heard uh, over the years, as maybe starting out as a young lawyer, that uh, when two folks walk away from a resolution and they're both feeling a little bit, um, uh, I guess the term would be burnt, uh, they don't feel uh, that they've gotten everything they want. There's a pretty good chance that it's been a fair resolution, that meaning um, it's a give, and a give and a take. And in the end, if they can focus on the big picture and, and figure out what's most important to them, and if, we're, if Nick and I or our firm is able to give them what's most important to them, then we feel like we've satisfied them and that we, we've hit the big picture. And I, I think for me the big picture is that life is going to change. It's going to be a stressful process. It's going to be a, a – a, a very stressful process at times, but that you sh- your lawyer should uh, communicate with you often, clearly, responsively. You should be included in the decisions. You should feel as though you know uh, what happened and what the next step to happened is throughout the entire case, and um, that you'll get through it, that it will not be as stressful as it seems, uh, although it will be stressful at times, and that there'll be a new life on the other side. And hopefully, if you are represented by a firm like Schwartz and Bland, you'll have the tools that you need to make that new life on the other side very, very successful. Well, I know a lot of people are thinking about it this time of year. And if you want to get in touch with Russell and Nick, find the website. It's schwartzplant.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z-P-L-A-N-T-E.com. Don't forget that E at the end of your name, Nick. It's very important. Guys, any any uh, final thoughts? Thanks for having us on mm-hmm. today. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, be with you again soon. Yes, absolutely. We uh, Thanks to Russ and, and to Nick. And thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like it, share it with a friend. This is one of a series. So you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And once again, to get in touch with Russ, Russ and Nick, go to schwartzplant.com. Thanks for joining us on the Basics of Divorce podcast. This has been a production of pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network.